Good. Well, welcome to you, uh, as I said earlier on. Um, over these summer weeks, we have been uh, talking about, and we are, we've got a couple more weeks to go, talking about the things that stand out in the life of a Christian, the physical, emotional, and spiritual signs that God is at work in a person's life. How can we, how do we know, what, what is it, what is the fruit uh, of uh, God at work. What are the physical, emotional, and spiritual signs? And of course, Paul describes them in Galatians chapter 5 as the fruit of the Spirit. And each week, uh, we've been uh, taking one or two of those. Very, very famous verses. Uh, so we're just stepping in, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. So I say, <clears throat> live by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not know, uh, you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery idolatry, worshipping of other idols, other gods, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. So it's not a complete list. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power and authority of it. And we just ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into truth, the truth of your words. We pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might see Jesus that our hearts and lives and minds might be changed as we fix our eyes on him and the truth of your word. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. A Christian is someone who has Christ in. Christian, Christ in. When someone looks at a Christian, what do they see of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? By the grace of God, one of the key things they should see is fruit. Fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. Salvation that we talk about, we talk about being saved from our sin, but this wonderful subject of salvation. Salvation is transforming. It's utterly changing. It's not just being taken from a difficult situation to carry on living as we always were. No, salvation is transforming. There are huge changes 
utter, complete changes. We are brought from death to life. We're brought from darkness to light. And this transformation produces fruit. There are results of this transformation. The Holy Spirit begins to be on display in my life. And the hallmark, the fruit of God at work in our lives that we're going to look at today, just for a few moments, is peace. Peace. Now, there is no doubt that this is something that has potential to stand out in our world today, doesn't it? The subject of peace. One of the things we can definitely say about our world is that it lacks peace. Whether that be in personal relationships, between cultures, between nations, even the turmoil in the climate and the environment. All over our world, whether we look immediately in our neighborhoods or we look to the ends of the earth, there is a lack of Peace. Something is broken. There is a, a corruption of relationship. Men to men, men to women, women to women, uh, people to nations, even in the environment. <clears throat> now, there are many who want peace. There are many who work very hard for it. Uh, even this week, even this last couple of weeks, we've seen that uh, on our news. We've seen that recognized sacrificial uh, life being given uh, in the working of peace. And people processing after 20 years the, the coming out of Afghanistan and all of that and what's happening there right now. So there are many that are working for peace, working very hard. There are many who would call themselves pacifists in our world today. But does that necessarily make any of those people Christians, followers of Christ? Well, no, of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that. However, one of the great hallmarks, the fruit of being a believer, of being a follower of Jesus, is peace. So we need to come to the Bible and say, well, what is Bible peace? What is biblical peace? What does God's word have to say? The peace that I want to talk about this morning, we're talking about the fruit of peace that Paul is talking uh, about the, to the Galatians, the, the fruit of the Spirit that God longs to see grow and develop in our lives has far more to do than just the absence of war or conflict or even worry. It has more to do than someone who just has a calm exterior. Coming back to my puppy, I have a feeling there's going to be a few puppy illustrations in the weeks and months to come. I'll try not to bore you with too many of them. But one of the things is about the atmosphere which you create. If you create it all manic and excited and bouncy, then guess what? <laughs> the puppy is all manic and excited and bouncy. But... Uh, uh, even, you know, even the phrase good boy, you can say, I didn't realize you could say good boy in, in about you know, five different ways. But anyway, you know, if you say it very calmly, then the whole thing, you can just see the calm. But is that what the Bible is first and foremost talking about? Is that, is that what it's about? Is that what God's word is saying? Is it, it's, no, it's a lot more than just a calm exterior. It has to do with something that is much deeper, much, much deeper. Peace begins 
at the very heart of God. Why? Because God is peace. God is. By very nature, by very essence, the God of peace. Romans 15.33, the God of peace be with you all. It's a great prayer over the people of God. The God of peace be with you all, Romans 15.33. Romans 16, verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11, the God of love and peace be with you. This is a, it's a word of blessing, it's a declaration. Philippians 4, verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. Hebrews 13, verse 20, may the God of peace equip you with every good thing for doing his will. Now you say, but Mark, that's the New Testament. Hang on a minute, we need to go right back, and I totally agree. We need to go right back to the heart of the Old Testament, right? Back to the beginning, uh, uh, of, of the in-the-beginning nature of God. And one of the, the, the clearest pictures and declarations we get is the priestly blessing that God gave to Moses to pass on. God said, I want to give you a blessing. I want... Uh, you to tell the priests, this is the declaration they are to make. Very famous, you will, many of you will have heard it hundreds if not thousands of times. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. The, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, that's the priests, the priesthood, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Number, numbers uh, 6 verse 22. And you are to say to them, some of you can say it without even reading it, can't you? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This is what the priesthood, this is my heart, this is my very nature, says the Lord God Almighty. This is what you are to declare over my people. My blessing, my blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now, of course, lots of us will know that peace comes from the word shalom. Shalom. We will have heard that. We know something about that. Now, the root word of shalom is shalam. Okay? One of the first times that the word shalam is used in the Bible is in Exodus. Exodus 21 and in Exodus 22. And in these two chapters, it's actually used 14 times. But we're digging in just for a minute in peace. What is Bible peace? What is, what is the heart of peace that we receive as believers and therefore the fruit that will be seen in our lives? We want to go right back into the heart of it. Okay? 14 times in those two chapters in Exodus, Moses is giving instructions to the people about what to do when someone causes material loss 
or in the case of theft of property. Okay, there's damage, there's theft, there's loss. There's something that's been broken, destroyed, destructed, whatever. When that loss or injury occurs, the owner is considered lacking. They're not complete. All right, something's been removed, whether that be a, a physical wound or a, a material possession or a field or an animal or whatever it might be. And the one responsible has to make things right. Okay? So something's been broken, something's been removed, something's been taken away, and the responsible one has to make that right. In the translation of Exodus in 21-22, shalam is translated as make it good or shall surely pay. These are the phrases that you'll read Uh, In the NIV translation, other translations as well. Make it good, shall surely pay, make full restitution, or restore. Restore. The ancient Hebrew meaning of shalam was to make something whole. Something had been broken, something had been destroyed, something had been removed. Shalam needed to be restored, to make something whole whole. And the sense of this is not just about the practical restoration of things that were lost or stolen, but there was this overall sense of fullness, of completeness in mind and body and belonging. So it's not just a, oh, I'll buy you another one. No, there is a restoring of relationship. There is a restoring of emotion. It's not, it's not just a sort of a like-for-like like kind of situation. There is a wholeness that's being looked at and understand. That peace, that wholeness, that completeness, shalom, begins in the heart of God. Begins in the heart of God. That's why it's there in Exodus. That's why it's being uh, given to Moses by God to the people as in the very heart, in the very DNA of who they are to be as the people of God. Because God is shalom. God is peace. In his very nature, his character, to be peace, to bring wholeness and completeness, that's his nature, is to bring completeness, to bring wholeness to the hearts and minds of broken, shattered humanity. So a first step to really knowing this fruit of the Spirit that Paul is speaking of in the New Testament is growing and developing in our lives, is to know that we are at peace with the God of peace. That's the starting point. It's not just to say, I'm going to bravely go and see if I can help to sort out um, some arguments between people or even nations, as, as wonderful and commending as that is. And I believe that even those who are not believers, who are working for peace around the world today, I believe that's because of the image of God. I believe it's because of the heart and nature of God, even if people don't know that. But if only we might know the God of peace in our lives, I believe there's a greater power and authority that will flow from us. There is a fruit that will be displayed in us. So our first step to really knowing this fruit is to know that we are peace with the God of peace. A very famous uh, theologian, sometimes you hear him quoted, a man called F.F. F. Bruce, he said this, 
I am at peace with God. Uh, Sorry, if I am at peace with God, then I will know something of the peace of God. If I'm at peace with God, then I will know something of the peace of God. Peace begins in the heart of God. If we want to know peace, if we want to grow in peace, then we need to know God. Now, there's a phrase that we sometimes use, don't we? We say this, I need to go and make my peace with so-and-so. You know that phrase. Or we might talk of another situation. We, we might say, they need to make peace. They need to make peace with each other. Of course, what that suggests is that there is something in that relationship that is not right. There is a, a barrier present, a blockage, a, a breakdown in communication, a breakdown in relationship. An action needs to be taken in order for that to be restored. Now, do, do hear me, because I, I recognize that for some of you, even now, you can think of certain situations and you think, that is one of the biggest challenging things you're, you're talking to me about, Mark. That's massive for me, and I, I hear that. I don't want to belittle that you can't sometimes just walk up to someone and, and get things right again. There can be some really, really big challenges with that. So please hear my heart. But we recognize that to make peace is a recognition that there is a barrier, there is a blockage, there is a breakdown, and something needs to happen in order for that to be restored. The first step we need to take in order to know peace is that we make our peace with the God of peace. Before we can make peace with others, before we can walk in peace in our lives, I want to put to you that we need to know the God of peace. But then we find something very challenging. There's nothing we can do to make peace with God. We can spend money we can give to the poor. We can give into charitable situation. We can try to behave well. We can get a good education. But whatever we, we try, it's not good enough. In fact, the Bible says to us, it falls short. It falls short. None of it comes close to what is needed to restore our peace with God. The whole of the message of the Bible is very clear. Because of sin, because of rebellion in our lives, rejection of God, our peace with God is broken. There's a dividing wall. The Bible talks about this dividing wall. It talks about a barrier. In fact, in the temple, the, the synagogue, and other places, there were physical walls to display this. There were barriers put up, curtains put up. Signs put up, as it were, to to remind people again and again, this far but no further. You can't, and only one, ultimately, one person once a year, after copious amounts of animal blood being shed and all sorts of other things being done, could one person, one time, once a year, get anywhere close to the presence of God. Barriers, broken, can't come. 
dividing wall. We can't cross the peace, the shalom, the perfect relationship between us for which we were created is broken. It needs restoring. It must be restored. How can we restore it? We can't. We can't restore it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says we were separated with Christ without hope and without God in the world. What are we to do? Well, the first thing I need to tell you is never just read one verse of the Bible. Always read the verses before and the verses after because it gives a context, helps you to understand. Read the chapters before and the chapters after. You see, Ephesians 2.12, if you just stick with that phrase, it's without hope, without God, separated. Peace is broken, it's shattered. What do we do? We read on. Now. Now. Let's say now together. Come on. Now. Not tomorrow. Not in eternity. Now. Now what? In Christ, you, who were once far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Listen to this next phrase. For he himself is our peace. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself, himself is our peace. He has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He's taken the sledgehammer of his precious blood and he has smashed it, broken it. A way has been made through to the God of peace, to no reconciliation, to no restoration, to no justification and sanctification and redemption. These great, great truths. Through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, through his body, we enter into the presence of shalom of completeness, of utter glorious completeness before a holy God who we couldn't get anywhere near on the pain of death, on the penalty of death, we can come right to the throne room of grace through the body of one who is our peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the prince of peace. I dare to use the, the C word to mention Christmas, but I do you know it'll come soon enough, as you know. I saw, there's things I love about Christmas, and one of the things is about the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9. The Prince of Peace has stepped into this broken world, has died on the cross to take those issues that we read there in Exodus 21, 22, the pain of death, Punishment of death because um, what has happened, all the issues around eye for eye and tooth for tooth and all of those things, all of that separation and all the issues that are having to be dealt with because of sin and brokenness in the world, he comes and he dies. He brings shalom. 
He brings the depth of Almighty God back into the created worlds, the created order. To make peace with you and to make peace with me. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. But because of his grace, because of his undeserved favor and love towards us, God himself provided a way through the Lord Jesus to restore. There it is. To restore, to repair that broken peace. And not just to say, oh, here's a bit of like for like, but now an utter transformation of salvation. It's not just a a, a like for like. You're a new creation, born again, completely new. So the first step we need to take to make our peace with God is to acknowledge and accept our brokenness and to receive what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept that we have lived against God, that we are lost without him, to turn in repentance, putting our belief in what Christ has done, confessing now that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. That's the heart of the Christian faith. That's what our world needs That's what it longs for. Yes, there will be moments of peace. There will be moments where people will work hard. But but brokenness will come in again. Corruption will come in again. Walls will be raised up again. Until we stand in Christ, until we walk in Christ, that's what will continue to happen. But as we come and accept our needs, as we recognize our brokenness and our rebellion, and we receive Christ as our Lord and Saviour, then we begin to walk in his peace, the one who is himself peace. Amen? God in his mercy makes it possible for us to receive peace. As we put our faith in him, then that peace begins to flood all sorts of different areas of my life. And it will be different things for, for different ones of us and it, and it will take time and there is a, a process and a journey of working things through for sure. But in that moment, that's why I wanted you to say that word now, there is a now transformation. Right? Something has happened. Salvation has come. Change has come. But then... It begins to work and the fruit begins to be produced. Here's a couple of just little things to pick up on. Um, We're coming towards a close, but let's just... Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay? I think in today's world, more than perhaps ever... That's a verse for all of us as believers to get hold of and for us to be able to share with other people in the right language that helps them. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We talk a lot about anxiety and and fear, worries, concerns. I'm pleased that those kinds of things are much more out in the open. They're not hidden away. They're, they're not, people are not having to live with things on their own. What the Bible is telling us 
is a restored and right relationship with God, a guard comes. His peace, that shalom, that wholeness, begins to shape my thinking. And it begins to shape my actions because my actions would come from my thinking. As my thinking is based upon God of who I am now in Christ, that he has become my peace, that he has delivered me, he's restored that which is broken, there is a God that comes over my mind. My thinking begins to be shaped. That's why scripture talks, doesn't it, about taking every thought captive and bringing it obedient to Christ. It's reminding myself of the truth. How do I put a guard over my mind? I take hold of his word, the Bible, and I I speak it over my life. He's become my peace. He's my peace. It guards my hearts and minds. It shapes my thinking. The peace of God begins to flow over my my temper, my tongue, my hands, my feet, my actions, my mind. Many of you I know will, will know, perhaps even in your own life or family situations or colleagues or friends, I can think of people that I've known over the years whose lives were utterly transformed by the peace of God coming upon them. Language that would have just turned the air blue, permanently flowing from their mouths, coming to Christ. And that language literally being transformed. You may say that's your own testimony. I've known people. People whose first reaction is to fly off the handle, to react and throw out and lash out, whatever it might be. Again, you you may know, you may have seen people who've come to Christ, who've surrendered, who've come under a new lordship, and there is a peace that comes over them. As well as a recognition and acknowledgement of of how things have been in their past and their life, and there is restitution at times that needs to be made, rightly so. But there is a transformation, the peace of God guarding hearts and minds. Now you may say, Mark, those are things I want to pray for another person. Well, we can do that also, that they might know the peace of God. encourage you to do that. Here's another element linked to this, isn't it? Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. All right, so slightly different to a guard. There's a kingship, there's a, there's a ruling. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. I'm under new management, new authority. There's a new authority. My focus, my attitudes, my reactions, my responses now have a different shaping power. There's a different shaping power. We recognize that people, whether they know it or not, they are under one power or the other. They're under the power of darkness or the power of light. They're under the power of the enemy of God or they're under the power of God. And that power, as we open our lives to it, will shape us and form us. 
and bring peace into our lives. That's our starting point. That's the root of this fruit, a right relationship with God in Christ. And then fruit will begin to be produced and it will grow. Fruit takes time. It does take time. It's not instantaneous. It takes time. So as we come towards a close, I just want to say this. If your relationship with God is not right this morning, then that's your starting place. If you'd say, I don't know that he is Lord of my life. I don't know that I've ever surrendered my life to him. I want to say you can't move forward in the peace that we're speaking about, uh, shalom, until you're right with your heavenly Father, your creator God. So I invite you in a moment, I will pray, invite you to pray and invite him to come and be Lord. Recognize that need for him to bring that shalom into your life and then that your life might go on and bear fruit. And then there is another element of fruit that I just want to mention in closing. Romans 12 verse 18 says this, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Read it again. Romans 12, 18. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 1 Corinthians 7, 15. You read, the Apostle Paul is writing about relationships. And Paul says this very clearly. It's It's a command, really. God has called us to live in peace. God's called us to live in peace. My relationship with God, with the God of peace, will have a direct effect on my relationship with others. But it's something that requires action, effort on our part. We don't just sit there while God grows the fruit of peace in us. Okay, Lord, here I am now. You just do this peace thing in me. It's something that we begin to recognize and acknowledge and we work at. We are actively involved in the process. How do you know that someone is kind? Because they are kind. There are acts of kindness. How do you say, they're such a generous person. They're so generous. Why, why do we declare them to be generous? Because they're generous. They give of themselves. They give of their time. They give of their their love, their, their money. How do we say, there's something about that person who just brings peace into a situation. They're a peace bringer. They're peaceable as a person. So these are things for us to, to think about. It requires an active involvement on our part. I love the book of Proverbs. It's so relevant to every day, and I often will pick up the book of Proverbs and just chuckle sometimes. There's so many wonderful things in the book of Proverbs. However, in Proverbs 6, verse 16 and 19, there's a warning. Listen to this, verse 16, Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things the Lord hates. Well, immediately, I want to stop there for a moment. Okay, I need to take note of those, because if the Lord hates them, I ought to avoid those. Seven that are detestable to him. Oh, hang on. There's not six, there's seven. 
seven things that we need to look out for. This is a teaching series, by the way, or, or a life group series, if you want. Uh, Proverbs six sixteen to 19. Here they are. Verse 17. Haughty eyes. That, I'd love to do a talk on haughty eyes. It's like... I brought up three daughters, all right? I'm just thinking about haughty eyes. Anyway, um, the Lord hates it. It's it's an underlying heart thing, isn't it? A lying tongue. Two. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies, seven, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Well, in the New Living Translation, a person who sows discord in a family. The Lord hates it. It's detestable to him. One of the things that he finds so detestable is someone who breaks peace between people, stirs up conflict and sows discord. Now, I think in my limited experience, I recognize that actually one of the reasons quite often it can be because that person's got a broken relationship with God. When their relationship with God is broken, or where they're very anti uh, the lordship of Christ, relationship with God, that, that submitting themselves under the rulership of their creator, you will find that they're also a very discordant person, disruptive person. But certainly, if you've experienced that in your family situation from a Christian perspective, almost inevitably it will be because their relationship with the God of peace is broken. Now, I am aware that this is quite challenging for some of you, and some of you will have faced numbers of these things over the years, and so I want to pray. I've left a few moments for us to pray because I believe the Spirit wants to minister to us today into this. Let me read a couple of scriptures that, that are helpful to us. So Ephesians 4, verse 3 says this, Make every effort. Sometimes we can't do all that needs to be done, and that's not our responsibility. Sometimes we can only do what we can do, and we have to leave others. uh, It's their responsibility before God. But Ephesians 4 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So we'll do what we can do. We will make effort to do. And we leave it over to God. We leave it to him. Romans 14, verse 19. Therefore, let's make every effort to do what leads to peace. So we're going to think about what leads to peace. Is this going to be destructive, uh, disruptive, or is it going to lead to peace? We're going to make every effort and to mutual edification. Does this build? Does this encourage? Does this strengthen? We know that, don't we, even in our own personal walk. What I'm about to say, what I'm about to tweet, what I'm about to put on Facebook, what I'm about to say in the workplace, in the neighbourhood, across the fence, does it bring peace? Does it edify? Does it build up? Or do I need to keep it shut? (laughs) The Bible's very practical at times. It's very, very practical. 
When we know the peace of God, the shalom of God, it affects the whole of who we are. But then it goes on display. It goes, it flows out. It flows out into the local church. It flows out into the community, the neighborhood. It will flow out for us on the island or wherever town you're living. And ultimately to the ends of the earth. Matthew 5, verse 9. Can I invite you to stand? Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed. Jesus said it numbers of times. You blessed if you do what I say. Do what I teach. You will be blessed. You will know the presence of God. You'll know the grace of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. I just want to begin by asking again quietly in your heart, do you know the peace of God in your own heart? Do you know peace with God? For many of you, it's wonderful. You'll be able to say, yes, I do. I want to know it more, but yes, I've given my life to Christ. I've known a measure of his peace coming flooding in. Maybe today you just want to recommit your ways to him. Maybe for the first time you would say right now, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you. I've lived my own way. I recognize that today and I repent. I, I acknowledge it and I turn from that. And I receive today the work that Jesus did on the cross when he died for me. That he became my peace with God. Help me to receive your peace today. Forgiveness of sin in my life. There may be things that you want to acknowledge before God even now. Certain areas, certain things you'd give to him. Ask your forgiveness for that. Come and cleanse me. Come and heal me. Come and flood me with your peace today. encourage you to receive the shalom of God. Not just in your mind, but in your very being, your spirit, your whole person. For those of you who live with anxiety, guilt, condemnation, fear, I just want to pray just gently over us today. Some of these things are very personal, very tucked away. I just pray, let your peace come. The peace of God. I speak that prayer that God gave to Moses, to the priests. And as a, as a minister before God and before the people today, I say, may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May you see the smile of God 
May the Lord turn his face towards you, not away from you, but that he would turn his face towards you and that you might receive peace. The shalom of God. Inner peace. Lord, where there is brokenness, I speak healing today. Where there is a shell-like emptiness, Lord, I ask you for an infilling, even now, of your Holy Spirit. Infilling. Because what the Spirit does is reveals truth. And so we ask Holy Spirit today, would you come and reveal the truth that we are at peace with God And therefore we can be at peace with ourselves and by his grace at peace with others. Lord, I want to pray on behalf of anyone here today where there are broken relationships or situations where there is not peace, where peace is lacking. Lord, if it is at all humanly possible in this life, if this person has not yet gone uh, and not yet died, Lord, I pray, would you restore that which is broken? Restore, Lord, I ask for restoration of broken relationships. I pray that there would be testimony in days and weeks to come that in the workplace, in the family, across the neighborhood, wherever it might be, that Something happened that only you could do, Heavenly Father. Where there was a restoring of that which had been broken. And Lord, for those who are carrying things where humanly they're not able to do anything about it, Lord, I I pray would you speak peace into hearts and lives, even in this room today, that would know that they can be at rest with you, that they give to you. Give to you bitterness. Give to you anger. Give it to you that you might restore your peace within hearts and lives today. And just finally, I just feel that some here are being called to be a peacemaker. Some of you, one of your roles either has been, is, or even prophetically God is going to lead you in the days to come into being a a peacemaker. Maybe in your family, you're going to be the bringer of peace. Maybe in your work environment, you're going to be known as a a peacemaker, one who brings together an intermediary. You're actually going to intercede. It means to stand in the gap between. You're going to find yourself Just feel for one or two of you, there are broken Christians. We know that on this island as much as anywhere. There are those who are broken, far off from God, or just walking independently outside of the local church. And you're going to find yourself being a peacemaker. I believe it's a a word even over this church, for us as a church, that we will be a, a church that restores peace. I speak it over us. That people can come in and find the healing of God and the peace of God. I pray that in the days and weeks to come, Lord. There may be other situations that I don't know of. Maybe even some of you will be involved in politics or arts or education. And you'll be known as a woman of peace. 
a man of peace in your environment, your situation. Lord, we, we, just, we just receive this glorious truth today. Jesus Christ himself is our peace. He has made the two one. He's broken down the dividing wall through his precious blood. He's paid the price. I pray that we might know your peace and that we might take your peace and go in peace and bring peace to a broken world. So we ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.